need to take care, handle things one at a time, lumping everything together. There's so much before you, you can't do all. Emphasize on the little bits that you can, and others will come and do the rest. If you think that, if you think that you can solve the world's problems in one go, yeah, you're just fooling yourself. It takes the support of everyone else for us to achieve ultimate objective. Hello and welcome to the Barrier Breakers Corner, where we shift mindsets around various topics such as family, finance, relationships, dreams and visions, and most importantly, opportunities and how to walk into them. We want to annihilate the assumption that we cannot break barriers. Let me tell you this today. There is more on the other side of you breaking that barrier that you would never know unless you do. We break into everything. Hello and welcome to the Barrier Breakers Corner where we step out on faith and defy the odds. I am your host, Joyce Donkor. Today we have an amazing guest, our barrier breaker for the month of June 2023. He's none other than an amazing father, amazing uncle to me and my family. <laughs> and for those who know him, he's none other than Joseph Bawa Akamba. Actually, let me correct that. Justice Joseph Bawa Akamba, that's who we used to call him. He is a retired justice of the Supreme Court of Ghana. Please, Uncle, introduce yourself. <laughs> well, as you rightly said, I'm a retired justice of the Supreme Court of Ghana. That is it. <laughs> Very simple and short. I like that. <laughs> that is so good. I remember Uncle from Gambia. So for everyone that has been listening, if you have not listened, I am from Ghana, grew up in the Gambia. So I knew Justice from the Gambia when he was attending my dad's church. And he was a very, very amazing person. He has been a very amazing person to my family, to our local church. And we really appreciate you for the work you did whilst in the Gambia. But before we even delve into that, I'm so grateful that Lovia, Lovia is my friend from, <laughs> I'll say Lovia, but his kids my family friends, and we mostly know Miriam and Lovia because they were the closest and the youngest <laughs> to him. But he has six kids, right, Uncle? Yeah. Yes, he has six kids. And I think the ones that I know is Miriam, Lovia, and Sister Deborah. So, but the other three, I think I came across them when I came to Ghana the other time. I think one or two of them. But yeah, beautiful family. But before we even dive into that, Uncle, was this always your desire to become a lawyer? Well, initially, I wanted to do some other courses. But along the way, it struck out that uh, law was available. And I took my chance and got to law school. Okay. You know how they say, like, some parents would say, or people would say, 
when they meet someone that talks a lot and then they'll be like, you should be a lawyer because you're always defensive. You're always defending. Were you like that? <laughs> In a way, yes, I was like that. While during my teaching career as I mean, one secondary school in Tamale, I defended the rights of so many who had a breach with the rules. And uh, people saw that potential also in me. So it wasn't a surprise really that I got into law. That's good. Because I just want to even dive into the background a little. You're coming from, is it Bolgatanga or is it Bolsa? Fumbisi in the Upper East region. Okay. Fumbisi, yeah. Okay. And then looking at that surrounding, because back in the day, that's like the education was not like that strong or anything. So what made you want to even push into law, knowing that law was expensive as well? It's not an easy journey too. Yes. Interestingly enough, my father was a policeman. And uh, indeed, I was born in Kumasi and I got most of my education in the South from Kumasi to Sakuradi, Sekendi, Akzim, and eventually to Wa in the Upper West regions. From Wa, I entered a secondary school in Tamale. In those days, secondary school facilities were very few. But luckily, in 1965, Nkuma uh, opened a number of uh, Ghana Educational Trust schools, one of which was built in Tamale. And that's where I had the privilege of uh, entering as part of the second batch of students. I entered the school in September of 1960. Oh, wow. And graduated in 1965. Yeah. So after graduating from Ghana Secondary School, as it is called now, it used to be Ghana College, Tamale, presently Ghana Secondary School, Tamale. I had to break and go into people teaching in a private school that was just established in Tamale. It was a, then called the Tamale Commercial Secondary School. It was a private institution. So I taught there for one year. And uh, from there, I went to do my sixth form in Tamale Secondary School. Tamale Secondary School also, interestingly, used to be called Government Secondary School. Okay. Yeah, but presently, it's the Tamale Senior High Secondary School. Oh, wow. So that's why I did form for two years. Mm-hmm. After the sixth form, I had the privilege then of entering the University of Ghana. And how was like the transitioning of moving from one school to the other? I mean, school fees wise, because, you know, was it free or you had to pay for it? Yes. The secondary school, for instance, the Ghana secondary school, I was lucky to be on the Kuku Marketing Board scholarship. Oh, wow. That was part of the package that Nkrumah got for the northern parts of Ghana in those days. And that was because he tried to bridge the large educational lapse between the north and the south. Mm. So this was one of the privileges we enjoyed then. That's very good. A leader to see that and try to bridge the gap. That was a very, very good move from him. And how did your parents feel like when you said you want to be a lawyer or you want to pursue law? Well, they were quite excited, happy. They didn't actually feel that such an opportunity should be missed. So they encouraged me as much as possible. But unfortunately, they didn't live long enough to benefit so much from the fruits of that trial. It really encouraged me so much. It did their best for me. Oh, that was really nice of them. 
And the reason why I'm just trying to bring this up because sometimes some parents are so focused on, you know, child doing a certain thing. And when someone brings up this idea of, oh, I want to do this and just try to stop them. So for them at that time to even encourage you to do that and not stop you from achieving your goals. I think that was a great move. And as parents, that is something that we need to focus on and encourage our kids and not push them to do something you want to do or what your idea is. That was a very great move from them. And so even with your journey, having to go into law, I just even want to use this opportunity to even encourage young people as well to Stay focused on the goal. You decided that you wanted to do law and that's what you did. I just want you to talk on that a little bit to how you stayed focused through the whole journey of you going to law, you know, and all of that. Yes. I guess the background that I had as my parents with themselves were illiterate, they never had the privilege of uh, any formal education. Right. And for me, it was a great thing that they even thought about uh, encouraging me to go to school. And uh, as I climbed the ladder, they kept encouraging me. Sometimes I want to look at it from this standpoint. My father, for instance, listed in the police service with uh, many others who had formal education. Mm-hmm. And he could see those who had that formal education climb the ladder so fast in promotions. But the illiterates, the highest one could go was quite limited. Well, and he didn't want any such barrier to be my impediment, right? You know, so with that background, I think that I myself was encouraged to search as far as I could and to go as far as I could, yeah. And that's what really encouraged me. I think that's very great for you know, looking at the background and just the encouragement. I think I always say this on Biobreakers Corner that one encouragement alone can push you a long way. Sometimes you're doing stuff and you feel like no one is seeing, no one is looking, you're not being encouraged. But the moment you hear one person encourage you, sometimes I'll be doing barrier breakers corner, maybe the podcast, maybe posting something on YouTube or social media. And I feel like I've not done a lot. But by the time I post and then I see a like or not even just the like, but the comment that somebody will make or a text message that someone will send to me that, oh, I was encouraged by this. It keeps me going, you know, So having that encouragement, you know, was very key to your success where you are today. And so tell us about having to travel around the world, doing the work that you do and stay character-wise, attitude, career-wise, how you got yourself involved and stayed the course really to the point of becoming the Justice of the Supreme Court of Ghana. (laughs) Yes, (laughs) I started the career by enrolling as a, I joined the Attorney General Department right from the very beginning. And that's where I did my, my national service. At that time, it was just for one year. After the national service, I applied and uh, I was appointed an assistant state attorney. But after the short while, I realized that there was a real need on the bench. They needed many lawyers. They were not getting them. They had this magistracy and they had a place for career magistrates. They were non-lawyers and they were holding the front for the time being in the magistrate courts. So I practiced before a few of them and um, I felt the need for professionals really to come to their aid because what I saw, I was not too happy about. And that's what actually prompted me to come to join the bench. 
I started as a magistrate. My first posting was to a place called Collegono. It is interesting that my university days, I used to be part of a group that used to do work in, to help bring up our proper cleanliness and other things. So we used to go to that place to do cleanup. The club was road tracked. We used to go there to clean around that place. And here's the case when I became a magistrate. That was the first place they, they sent you to. They sent me to. I said, look, I used to come and clean this around these areas. Wow. Just to encourage the people to. But now I'm here as a magistrate. And so see how life is. Yeah. I climbed the ladder from the magistracy, mm-hmm. eventually to the circuit court. My circuit court appointment took me to Obuasi in the Ashanti region, a challenging uh, environment, completely different from what I had experienced at uh, Collegon. I made it. I was there for five years. Then I got appointed to the high court and sent to Tamale, uh, to Bolgatanga. I happened to come from Bolgatanga, the capital of my home state. You know, initially I was quite uh, happy that you sent me back to. <laughs> I took a note to work anywhere in Ghana, so I went for five years. It was in the course of that I saw an advert asking for assistance to the Gambia. It was internal advertisement. It was a request to the Ghana government for certain officers, judicial officers, to perform in the Gambia. Mm-hmm. I responded to it, and uh, that meant that I had to leave my bench and come to be a prosecutor back to where I had started. I agreed to go and accept that and also to be a trainer. So in 1994, I saw myself in the Gambia, not on the bench, but as a director of public prosecutions. Uh, that was when I encountered the <laughs> Donko family. <laughs> the first thing I had to look for when I got there, apart from being a settled in, in my accommodation was to look for my local church mm-hmm. and to report to whoever was the pastor there. Mm-hmm. And that's how I came there and uh, met the Donkos, who have been a very fantastic family, who have had that uh, beautiful linkage all these years. One thing I have noticed about myself is that I'm an encourager. Mm-hmm. I encourage a lot. You know, whatever sphere one, whatever trait I see in somebody, Mm-hmm. I encourage you to pursue it to the logical conclusion. That church, for instance, when I got to the, the Gambia, was in this very humble. It was the size of a garage or something. <laughs> <laughs> we had the church land, all right, thanks to one lady who, I think she was a Jamaican or so, or a West Indian lady, who helped us acquire that particular land, the New Jeshua. Mm-hmm. This is called New Jeshwan in the Gambia. Old Jeshwan, yeah. Old Jeshwan, yes. So she got us the land, title, everything, and helped to put up a little church there and also a workshop in the making. So when I got there, I said, wow, here's an opportunity for us to build upon such a beautiful and laudable foundation. I'm happy that I've been part of the build up. Yes, yes. <laughs> Baptist Church in, in the Gambia. And for myself, I think I also went all the way out, helped get quite a big chunk of land for uh, school development Yeah, for the church. That's what I did in the Gambia. I look back with real pleasure that the Lord used me to do so many things there. Yeah. You have a very interesting journey. And I was just taking some notes as you were talking. First of all, when you talked about, you know, where you cleaned, the area you used to clean, life is very funny. 
And I always say this to myself, you know, treat everybody well, treat everybody fine. You know, you never know who you're going to meet when you go around the turn, you know, you don't know who is going to be ahead of you. And sometimes they say that when you are climbing the ladder, you know, treat everyone well, because you don't know when you're going down, who you're going to meet, whether you meet the same people and you never treated them well, you don't know how they're going to treat you back. So having that idea of doing what you did, you know, making sure that that cleaning area that you did, imagine if you had said, no, I am too big for this. I cannot be in this area. (laughs) Then coming back as a magistrate, like no one will want to see you there. No one will want to support you, but you did what you had to do at that time. And also when you moved to Bulga, you were saying that you were not really happy about going there. But, you know, you still went. Sometimes some of the decisions that may not be the best that we want for ourselves may not be what we want for ourselves. But God has a mission and a purpose at the end of it all. Like to him be the glory. Like we have to give him back the glory. And so seeing an advert that you are going to have to go to another country. Me, I like to travel. Anything that will take me out of (laughs) where I am, I will go. So, I mean, that opportunity was a great opportunity. And even though Gambia may not have been a place like Ghana, you know, more developed, but you decided to still even come because even at that time, Gambia was not as developed as it is now. And so, you know, you came, even though you did your job, but you also found a way to impact the community. You found a way to be a blessing. Today, what you have said, I think you were, that means you were there before, no, actually, you went in 94. We were there in 92. I always think we were in Gambia 94, but we were in Gambia 92. But you being there and being supportive of daddy and the work that he has done, you know, and today, you know, a lot of children have graduated from Glory Baptist School. You know, a lot of people have passed through Glory Baptist Church and you being an encourager, you being supportive, you know, you have been a blessing to a lot of people's lives that have transitioned, you know, through the school. And that's one thing that we should know as young people. I think these days, everybody's all about themselves. Of course, you have to draw boundaries because of how people treat other people. But it's not always about you. It's always, you have to, life is not about you. Your purpose is not about you. Your purpose is about other people. And so if you have that at the back of your mind, you know that you're going to be a blessing to many. You don't have to be having the crown or being like showcased all the time, like you did this, you did this, but giving other people the opportunity to grow, the opportunity for them to shine, the opportunity for them to do better. Because this little thing that you think you may have done has made other people become who they are. They may be in better positions today. They may be in great positions today because of the little seed that you sowed. I am just so grateful. Encourages me to keep sowing seeds wherever we go, you know, keep sowing the seeds, seeds of encouragement, seeds of love, even financially sow that seed because you never know whose life is being blessed because of that. And we appreciate you. I mean, everyone that is listening to know that don't look down on any area that you find yourself in any situation that you find yourself because one day you never know the blessing that is going to come back to you. And you know, you have ripped a hundredfold, whatever you have sown, you have ripped a hundredfold to the point of becoming justice of the Supreme Court, you know, and that's the blessings of, you know, the sowing here, the love that you show, the care that you show to the people. That's what has caused you to move forward and God's blessings as well. You know, so we are so grateful for you, you know, in this journey. And the reason why I share these stories, I like to share these stories is so that young people will know that 
we need to put in the work. It's not about social media and, oh, I need to look fancy. I need to look fine. I need to have this wig and that wig. Some people are carrying wigs that are as pricey as a plot of land. <laughs> and I'm like, why don't you just buy a land <laughs> and grow something? Why don't you invest, you know, today for tomorrow? And so sharing these stories are one of my favorite things to do on Barrier Breakers Corner because I get to learn as well. It's not just for others, but for, even for me, I get to learn and I'm encouraged to keep pushing. So thank you so much for the work that you've done for serving your nation, for serving the countries around the world, for serving us. We are so grateful for the opportunity. And you coming to Gambia, I mean, if you hadn't come to Gambia, you wouldn't be on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Naturally. <laughs> right. You know, I wouldn't have met your amazing family. Love you and Miriam, like our closest, like I said earlier, Love you and Miriam were the ones that were close to us. The youngest, so they were the ones closest to our age. Everyone else was older, but we wouldn't have met them to have this friendship until now. We are so grateful. And diving into that, Justice was, well, was married and then mommy passed a few years ago. Ooh, today's Mother's Day and I'm recording this. How it is that I had to record this on Mother's Day and mommy's not around, but just want to just probably, can you please share a little light on her and the support that she even gave you just using this session to even honor her for the support, for the love. I'm not even going to cry, but maybe you want to share a little bit on how she supported you in this journey. I just want to use this session to just honor her. Indeed, she was so supportive to me. I dare say that even on the path of, of me doing so much in my church work, it was all because of her. She initiated me into the Baptist movement. <laughs> and yes, because when I got married, I was then in a different church. I don't want to mention it here. Okay, no problem. <laughs> <laughs> of course, I saw the, the difference and I joined her in the Baptist movement and uh, we went really very far. You recall in the Gambia, she also attended the Bible BBTC. Yeah, yeah, Banjo Bible Training Center, yes. <laughs> where she graduated from. I told she was full of fire, evangelizing, encouraging Lovia, Miriam, and Litron Zara, when Zara joined us, to take mission work quite seriously. They were in the Sunday schools, children's uh, Bible classes. They were part of UV. Yeah. And I remember she was also principal at the primary school, right? Yeah, yeah, she was. She was also, yeah, she was so active. She was the first um, headmistress of primary school. Uh, headmistress, yes. So the first head, headmistress of the school. And uh, you could see she was always so full of love for the children. She was so, can't de describe it. <laughs> we just want to say thank God for her life and she for... She was such a great partner that I had. And ever since I lost her, Aww. getting in work, I've stayed so up to now. I'm both father and mother to all the kids. <laughs> right now. <laughs> it's not been easy. But yeah. The Lord is on my side. So I'm grateful. I'm grateful to the Lord holding me through up to this time. Yeah. We thank God for Mamiya Kamba's life. She was a great inspiration for her to even be the first headmistress of Glory Baptist School. All you alumni of Glory Baptist School, <laughs> hear ye, hear ye. <laughs> Yeah, she did a great job. And that's part of what I just said earlier, making sure that being a blessing in the community, just grateful for her life. And I'm so glad that we're able to honor her in this session. 
And onto fatherhood, how has it, let me not say how has it been like, but I mean, at this age, <laughs> you have a lot to say on fatherhood, the journey <laughs> and everything. Did you even know you're going to have six kids? <laughs> uh, no, by the grace of God, not I've been it. <laughs> <laughs> how, how has the journey been like? Well, bringing them up has not been easy, particularly with the boys. It may give me a little more trouble. <laughs> As for the girls, quite uh, abiding. We are the softer ones. The girls, we are always the softer yes. ones. <laughs> <laughs> Having much of a problem with uh, Deborah, Lovia, and Miriam. Mm. As much as with the boys, <laughs> they want to have their way. <laughs> but we still insisted on the coming the way of, of the Lord. Mm-hmm. That has helped a lot. Yeah. What encouragement have you got for fathers around the world, especially in this day and age where social media is like the height of it all? You know, it's at this place where everybody's like, you know, on social media and trying to follow this person and trying to like, oh, I want to be like this family. Oh, I love this. I mean, which is good. You know, what encouragement have you got for fathers, especially the young fathers around the world? Yeah. My emphasis will be on fathers insisting on their children being content mm. with what they have. Contentment is very, very important. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, they, they don't realize what they have. They don't realize their own potential. They look at others and think that, oh, I want to be like that person. What about your own potentials? Yeah. Have you uncovered it? Mm. Have you discovered it and uncovered it and risen to the highest listen on your own potentials? Mm. Every person is endowed with a lot of potentials. Mm. And yet, we want to look at others as if theirs is better than ours. Mm. Children have to be guided. Right. Guided from the very beginning and encouraged right. as to where they should be. That's where the role of the church is very, very important. Instead mm. on all these children being members of Sunday school, going through the trail and that helps them a lot when they grow up. Give a child requisite training from the from the very beginning. And when he grows up, he will never abandon it. Yeah. But if we leave them off the hook from the very beginning, <laughs> you go to be some or somebody else. And you will not be happy with that. Guidelines are very, very important. Yeah. I like that. Guidelines are very, very important. Yeah. And that's why I want to use this, what should I call it? words keep escaping me these days but (laughs) i want to use this analogy you know when you order something online and it comes with a manual you know if you don't follow that manual you're not able to fix by the time you finish fixing whatever you have to fix you realize what are these tools left for (laughs) this has to be for something if you don't fix it it's going to get broken you know and so of course being a father being a mom it doesn't come with a manual but as you grow, you have probably seen things that you want to put into practice. And so having that written down if you want to or having that in your mind that this is how I want to raise my kids. This is how I, what I want to do. It's a guide that you can have for your own family, not what you're seeing outside. You can take some ideas and add them, but you have to create your own. And so, you know, I just want to piggyback a little and ask, what are some of the challenges you have faced as a father and able to overcome? 
Well, as I said, um, it has to do with um, giving your guidelines and then ensuring that they are obeyed. Now, there are instances when there will be breaches of those guidelines, had quite a number of them. To learn to handle those checkered instances with love. Sometimes we get too harsh and the children will break off and go wayward. But that is not to say that we shouldn't insist on the right thing being done. I will spare you the rod if need be, but I will do it, exercise it in love. Mm -hmm. And you know that, yes, I'm not just being so harsh on you just for the sake of it. Mm -hmm. You went wrong and there must be some straightening. (laughs) (laughs) Right. It's for your good. If you don't straighten a child, they're likely to give the impression that, oh, uh, the next time you can go even further than you did the first time. <laughs> Today's values appear to be different, but I don't see how different they are. Today, you hear of all the teasers that are happening, the curricula that are being imposed in certain jurisdictions, which is off tangent from what our African values are, our Christian values are. You know, that's sad. It is very sad. Yeah. I just wanted you to tell us what are some of the lovely or fun memories you've had with your kids, <laughs> if you can name a few, one or two. The great things about them. Let me start with uh, my first boy. He's now um, an assistant, an acting headmaster of a, of a secondary school in the north. He's happily married. I'm happy about him and his family. Occasionally, when there's need, he calls on me. I'll advise him as to what to do, but it is his responsibility and not mine. The next one is also happily married and uh, he's in Austria. He's doing quite well also. I'm happy with him. The third is here. He's a politician. He's busy in his field. I encourage him to stay within focus and be civil in his uh, utterances and uh, whatever he does. Mindful that uh, that is the appropriate way to go. Thanks. The girls, yes, Zara is in the uh, UK. She's doing quite well, too. And, of course, your two friends, too, are here. <laughs> happily raising their families. Yes. <laughs> I'm proud of all of them. I encourage them to hold together as a family. The bond between them should always be so cordial, so nice. They should be very helpful to one another, not only among themselves, but friends like you that uh, they've cultivated all over the world. They should hold together because no one person and achieve it all by himself. Yeah. Together, when we pull together, we're supportive of one another. Sky is the limit. So I'm always afraid when I hear them come to tell me, oh, I've been in contact with you. (laughs) That's good. I think one of my, the memories that I've had your family is, you know, our random Sunday visits that would come to the house, we'll all come over to the house, my sisters, my parents, and you and mommy, and then the kids, We'll all be there with, I think, Auntie Hadi, who was like the yes, house help yes. <laughs> at a time when we would come over to the house. And I think one of our favorite movies that we would watch was Sounds of Music. That was like our favorite family together. <laughs> yes. Those are such great memories. Yeah. And I remember when you guys were leaving, there was a bicycle that Lovia had. Was it Lovia or Miran? This pink bicycle that they left. Yes, yes, yes. That bicycle was transferred to me, and that's how I learned <laughs> how to ride a bicycle. <laughs> I would say this Daddy hit that bicycle. I don't know what, I think he was trying to create time to teach us how to ride a bike. 
but because of the school and the church, he was never there mm -hmm. to help us do it, or there was never time to do it. So whenever they were away from the house, I would sneak and take the bicycle <laughs> and go and learn how to ride the bike. <laughs> yes. Until one day, I think I used it to get the kids, one of my sisters on the bike, and then I was riding with them and they fell. It was so bad. Oh, no. <laughs> it was so bad when they came home and they reported me that I'd used the bike, which they had access not to touch. <laughs> you were in trouble. Right. <laughs> they used the guided lines for me. <laughs> uh -huh. so... It was the red. <laughs> <laughs> right. That's very interesting how, like we said earlier, the encouragement, you know, and just building the bond as a family, no matter where you go. That bond is very important that you create with family, with your siblings, you know, and, and that's really great. It also shows how your family is like very open, receiving us all, you know, we're so grateful for that. Opening the doors. Oh, we miss Auntie Hadis Benachin. Oh my God. Auntie Hadis Benachin was the bomb. <laughs> yes. I want to ask, what lessons are you learning right now in this time or in this season of your life? Not to take care. Handle things one at a time. Lumping everything together creates problems for you. At this time, I've learned one big lesson. I'm not as fast as I used to be. I'm a lot slower. And so I learned to do things in a planned, cautious, <laughs> and step-by-step -step manner. Mm -hmm. Unlike yesteryear when, wow, anything that came, I'll do it with speed. <laughs> that speed is no longer there. Learned also that instead of running, I walk because of age. If you run, the likelihood of you stumbling and getting bruised seriously when you fall is there. Mm -hmm. But if you walk quite slowly and uh, there's even a stumble, your chances of survival are great. So I've learned to hasten slowly. Yeah. And the Latins say, Pestina lente, hasten slowly. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I ponder over things before I initiate any step. Mm, that's wisdom right there. That's wisdom because you don't just take actions anyhow now. I mean, it's not even now, but anytime that you want to take decisions, it's good to ponder. But even at this age, you're desiring to ponder real world and think, is it something I can take? Is it something I shouldn't? That's really good. That's really good. One of the questions I always ask on Barrier Breakers Corner is, what do you know now that you wish you had known when you were much younger? That's a great question. There's so much before you, you can't do all. Emphasize on the little bit that you can, and others will come and do the rest. Awesome. If you think that, if you, think that you can solve the world's problems in one go, you're just fooling yourself. It takes the support of everyone else for us to achieve ultimate objective. Mm. To do your part, others come and continue and do their part also. That's true. That's true. Great advice. I mean, great thought right there. And so my last question would be, this is Barrier Breakers Corner, and we are encouraging people to step out on faith, you know, and defy it. Sometimes people are thinking, you know, this is so hard. Life is hard. I want to give up. I don't want to do this anymore. But what encouragement have you got for people around the world that have facing so many 
things in their life. What advice have you got for them to break barriers, to go beyond the limit? My advice is have faith. The Lord has imbued you what initiates, what you can, can initiate. Once you take that step of faith, he will see you through. Quite often, we look at the end as if it is something impossible. With God being on our side, there is nothing that is impossible. Set out the objectives and work towards it. And once you step out, the first step, the Lord will carry you through. Set out very meaningful objectives, very meaningful. Sometimes we set ourselves very impossible. <laughs> right. Know our capability. It's true that the Lord is on your side, but work within what you have. And it's in that atmosphere that the Lord will come in, propel you beyond your own imagination. Thank you so much. This has been a great conversation and bringing back memories for me. <laughs> but I am so grateful that you took time out to come on here. I am so, so grateful. Thank you so, so much. This has been a great podcast and conversation. And I've learned a lot already in just this few time that we've had. So thank you so much, Uncle. Thank you. Thank you so much. Continue this path that you have uh, started. It will bring so many people the realization of the potential they had in the, themselves. Mm -hmm. Knowing you those so many years back, I'm really pleased and uh, so happy that you find yourself where you are now. Uh, thank you, Uncle. <laughs> the Lord continues to bless you. Amen. And the sky is your limit. Amen. Thank you so much. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you for listening to the Barrier Breakers Corner podcast. If you liked what you heard, please give us a five-star review and subscribe to the show wherever you listen to your podcast. Also, share with those you think can benefit from this information. Please email all questions, suggestions, and compliments to the Podcast at gmail.com. The Barrier Breakers Corner Podcast is produced by the Podcast Laundry Production Company and executive produced by Joyce Donkor. The podcast music was written by Chidi Omenihu and produced by Andy Official in the Gambia, West Africa. Cause they can hold